and welcome to the Respectfully Podcast. I'm Nikki Pope, your host for this hairdressing conversation. For this edition of Respectfully, I was joined by three of the winners from the Colour World Colour Genius Awards 2021. Dylan McConaughey, Kirby Brewer and Stephanie Peckmore joined me to talk about the importance of entering awards and obviously winning them too. I should also add that the Colour Genius Awards are still currently open for entry. So if you're listening to this before April the 11th, 2022, then jump onto the Colour World website and find out how you can also enter. Now on with the conversation. Hello and welcome to the Respectfully Podcast. Nice to have you with us. Nice Hello. to have you. So today I have with me Dylan McConaughey, Steph Peckmore and Kirby Brewer, who are all current title holders for the Colour World Colour Genius Awards, which is our reason for coming together so we can have a nice colourful conversation. So let me start. Dylan, where, where are you at at the moment? Where, where are you working from? What's your, what does your colour world look like? So I'm actually the creative director for Dylan McConaughey Hair London and I'm based at Hunter Collective Ooh, exciting. in exciting. That's quite a new thing for you. It is, yeah. So I kind of have taken the leap to self-employment a little bit differently uh, and decided to look for a new premises. And uh, 2022 is looking like it's got some high hopes already. So, so Steph, tell us about your little colour world at the moment. Um, so I've recently just um, moved to a salon called Keelan's. Um, it's a really nice independent salon. Um, that specialise in colour and yeah I'm loving it it's a very sort of new year new me kind of thing so there I am and Kirby tell us what you're doing you have your own salon I think no I haven't got my own salon so I'm freelance in Kidderminster which is like West Midlands area um so yeah I've been freelance for about three years now I went freelance literally like four months before Covid the first lockdown so it was a bit, diff- <laughs> bit difficult but still the best decision that I made yeah what is it that you particularly like about being freelance I think just the flexibility and I've got a three and a half year old boy as well so gives me more flexibility with that more um independence with choosing you know what I want to do what products I want to use and yeah just that f- bit more freedom really and Steph, you made a big change. What is it that, that you, you touched on it there that you, it's more sort of independent? What else are you looking for from your sort of current colour setup? Um, I just want to focus more on like myself um, and kind of, I just feel like after lockdown, everyone really wants to support like smaller businesses. And I was very much in that mind frame as well. So I wanted to move to somewhere that was a little bit more. Um, I guess more intimate um, where I can really concentrate on my clients and give them like the best service possible so that was the move. But you're still a part of a team so you're you're part yeah yeah right. so you're you're kind of on the payroll if you like of that of that company. Yeah um, work with like three lovely girls um, they're just very much like me like-minded um, all want to do well um, so yeah, it's really nice. It's kind of like, it, as soon as I went there, I just knew that it was the place yeah. for me. So that's why I made the move. Because you've worked for quite big companies in the past, I think, haven't you? Yes, very big companies. I started off to- with Tony and Guy and that was my my first step into hairdressing. 
And Dylan, what's your what's your backstory as a colorist? Have you worked for big companies? Where did you how did you sort of train to bring you to the point now of setting up this year? I've been in a lot of different places <laughs> over, the, <laughs> over the last few years. Um, so my journey started um, at Sean Hanna in Bristol. Um, and then I basically did a fast track training. So I trained within 11 months. Um, and then I had one to one training with uh, the legend that is Skylar McDonald. Um, I then, once I qualified, I kind of didn't really know what salon was right for me at the time, because I think I was kind of learning what kind of clients I actually wanted to focus on and what clients I wanted to do. And then I actually worked um, at Nikki Clark for a few months. And then I moved to Marlebone um, and I worked with Mark Willey at Electric. Uh, that was a really, really good year. So just to you know, just some time to really build up clientele. And then I actually went back to work at Sean Hanna, but the flagship salon in Putney. And then over the time that I was there, um, I mean, depending on your level, you will get inducted into the Sean Hanna creative team, which luckily I was. Um, and again, that was working with the likes of Scarlett McDonald, Lucy Mombalard, uh, Fraser Wallace, Lloyd Cor, and obviously Sean Hanna. Um, so, you know, you are kind of expected to do quite a lot, you know, so we did a lot of shows for L'Oreal, um, which then led up to me doing a L'Oreal colour specialist degree, um, which I actually really didn't want to do because colour, colour at the time wasn't really, I actually hated colour and I speak and I say this quite uh, heavily. I don't think you can say that on this programme. I think we have to. <laughs> but you know what, it's, it's really interesting how colour can really open up your mind and, it's a different form of creativity. I mean, cutting is an art in itself, but colour is just a whole new ball game. Colour, I can tell that colour has changed in the last couple of years to what it was maybe, you know, a few years ago. People are getting their hair coloured more frequently than they are getting it cut. Um, and also now I educate a lot of colour techniques for like air touch balayage, silk bath. So colour is pretty much the main part of my business and it's forever growing. So And what about what about you, Kirby? Has it always been colour for you? Yeah, so um I've always been a bit obsessed with colour. It very much scared me. I remember when I was training I was like I don't get it. And the person that was training me at the time was like, one day it will just click. Mm -hmm. And I was like, when is this one day going to come? Like, <laughs> it's, I love it. But the whole, you know, technology behind it and the science behind it, you know, it really took a while to grasp it. But, and it is true, one day it did just click. And then off I went from there, really. And I remember with like balayage years ago when that kind of, I mean, it's been around for years and years and years, but when it became really popular, you know, I'd be going onto YouTube, watching how-to videos and doing it in the salon and everyone would be like, wow, what's that? And I was like, balayage, freehand balayage, just <laughs> been on YouTube to have a look at it. But yeah, it's... Um... Steph, you were a winner in the first year we did the Colour World, Color World Colour Genius Awards. So tell us, you won one of the trophies the first year. Have you always done colour? Always. Colour has always been my thing. I was one of them people, like, I always found that when people were training, like, colour was, like, the thing, like Kirby said, where, like, a lot of people said, oh, I don't get it. Um, and I just did. Like, I don't know why. I just did. And I've never been, like, academic at school. It's quite science-based, so I'm quite surprised that my mind kind of went that way. But I hated cutting. Like, still kind of do. I probably shouldn't admit that. I do cut hair, but... Um, 
yeah it's just colour is just my world that is just what I love to do um I'm just like I like to just like make new things up every day so yeah I think it just keeps it it keeps hairdressing very like new and exciting so you currently hold the innovative colour genius which fits very well with what you've just said how important is it to to enter and hopefully to win awards and trophies and titles how significant is that for you um I think it just gives you such a stepping stone into the industry like it's such a small world but at the same time huge and I think to be recognized as someone who has won an award and be recognized for your work is just an amazing feeling um because then everyone else in the industry sees you and yeah it's just nice it's nice to when you put in a lot of hard work it's nice to be recognized for it and for people to see you work and be yeah. excited about it too. Yeah, it's a great thing to way to share. And Kirby, you are our colour world colour genius for colour correction, which is quite a mouthful. So colour correction, is that something that you are particularly fascinated in or is it is it Yeah, sort of so the board? I think even from uh training, I was always really interested in colour corrections and those really big transformations. And sometimes not big transformations because you can't always work miracles in one day. And I think that's really important to understand and grasp as well that sometimes a colour correction, you know, it's little baby steps at a time because obviously, you know, you want to do this big colour change and, you know, give your client what they ultimately want. Sometimes it's not always possible, but sometimes you get those like aha days and you're like, wow, this, you know, this has been fantastic. It's done exactly what I wanted it to do. But sometimes it is that those baby steps to get there with colour correction. But yeah, I do find it very um, interesting and exciting as well. So with colour correction, I normally book out at least six hours, sometimes the whole day dedicated to that client to get them to their, back to their happy place. So Dylan, I'm interested because you are our current Colour World genius for men's colour and you did a fantastic, very sort of strong colour but on a guy, a black afro hair. And actually I do always think of you as being quite interested in a lot of things I see with you creatively are texture driven. Was that a conscious choice with that entry? So first of all, didn't expect it to finalise and didn't expect it to win. So obviously that's, uh, you know, that's amazing because I finalised actually the year before uh, for People's Choice and Colortastic. Um, but last year, I I was really, really thinking what I wanted to do because I am working a lot more with um, Afro textured hair and it's not really something that I publicise in my work that much. Um, but I'm wanting to do a lot more this year, so wait and see what I've got planned. Um, but also, I do a lot of men's colour. I actually do probably 50% men's colour, 50% women's colour. Um, and I just kind of thought, you know, I don't do very bold or very vivid colours very often. And I thought Colour World was going to be a great, you know, way to kind of show that. I think sometimes that's quite an important part of entering competitions is to try and read the sort of zeitgeist of the times, to sort of read the moment. I don't know, Steph, would you agree when you're entering awards, do you try and imagine what the judges might be going for or do you stay just like, this is what I want to do and this is what I like doing? 
Um, I think I always kind of look at what's around me at the time, obviously because you get inspiration from that as well. Um, and then there's always something in the media or in the industry that's like it stands out and you know that people are going to look for that and it's going to catch people's eye. But at the same time, I truly believe to do what you feel is right. Um, so many times I've been in a situation where someone said, oh, I don't think you should do that. Like, it's not it's not right. But I think if you believe in something, I've always felt the things that I've believed in have done better because it's truly me. Yeah, it really shows through, I think. Um, I think it's important to know who the judges are going to be when you enter something. You know, for me, it's like there are some people who I would perhaps pay more regard to judging my work, say. So at Colour World, our judges are primarily colourists and we have representatives of the brands who are sponsors, but we have a lot of very eminent colourists who you would be proud to sort of judge your work if you like. So I think that's an important part of it. Kirby, are you entering this year? Are you going to do the same category? Are you going to try several? Because we be interested to see what you're yeah so i have actually entered again this year i am going to enter a at least one more category probably two more categories um so yeah definitely why not (laughs) i think it's really you know we're the only independent color awards that aren't owned by a brand if you like so i think it's important and we've tried to reflect that in the categories we've actually got two new categories this year to add so there's 10 categories we've added international colorist of the year because we've got so over the last few years we've had so many people from outside the UK trying to enter we thought right let's do a a category Um, and we have created an afro colour category I think it would be really brilliant if it was just normalised to be every hair type every gender in every category you know why should we have these segregations but what we found in the last several years was that although we encouraged people to work on every hair type we weren't getting as many models through or as many pictures through with with black afro hair so we have got a black afro category however you can also do images on any hair type in the other categories as well so just wanted to make that point to people listening and you have until the 11th of april so if you feel inspired do jump on the website color world UK. What do you see coming through for the next year then? So Dylan, let's go to each of you in turn. What sort of colour trends from a consumer point of view do you see? What are you getting asked for? What do you think is going to happen? I mean, I think, you know, like balayage is never, ever going to die out. But I feel also because obviously people have been stuck indoors for the last couple of years, it's kind of give them an opportunity to either grow their hair out or, you know, change their hairstyle completely. I've actually had, when we came back from the first lockdown, sorry, I know we always talk about lockdown, but it's always in our mind. Um, But I felt a lot more clients were going a lot more vivid because they didn't have to go into the office. They were willing to experiment with their hair slightly more. But then also there is nothing more beautiful than a balayage. Um, I think in terms of the trends, I think because I have noticed over the last two years that people are getting the hair done, not as frequently, um, but frequently you know probably like a couple of times a year so you know they're looking for very lived in very textural colors and but you know the trends are changing every single day i have got a lot of um a lot of my male clients have more of a scalp bleach 
and a lot of my female clients have more of like a textural balayage but it can change every day I mean you know I had a lady in who normally just has blonde balayage nothing too crazy but she decided oh let's put like a little bit of pink on the end so you know people as I think if clients are willing and up for any kind of change you know that's creating a new trend in itself anyway but I mean the trends are changing every single day so it's hard to determine what the trends will be because everyone's trend is different yeah everyone has a different mind on what their trend is but you are still seeing a lot of business people aren't going color shy they're not sort of because the the media's made a lot out of people sort of saying embracing their natural hair allowing the gray through they spent all this time growing it out so you know are they ever going to come back you know there's this anxiety about the color business Do, have you noticed that or or not from your clients not really. I mean, a lot of my clientele do have their colour done, reg- you know, quite regularly. Um, I think the hard thing is because when a lot of the clients who had naturally white, grey hair wanted to either grow it out or, you know, go for it all over, obviously that kind of leads on to more colour corrections. I do feel that we're still kind of getting the backlog of all the colour corrections of home hair colouring during all the lockdowns. Um but I mean, I, a lot of my clients I'm seeing quite frequently, um, even if they've got nowhere to be, because there's nothing better than having your hair done and looking great. You know, even if yeah. you're not going anywhere, it's something that just uplifts their confidence regardless, even if they're sat on a computer working from home. Steph, what about you? What, do you? what are your clients asking you for? Are there any particular trends or is it very personal? Anything goes um going on from what Dylan says I think like a lot of clients are liking the lived in look the more natural look they're liking the fact that they haven't got as much maintenance um but at the same time like I feel like everyone's quite individual now I don't ever really feel like there's like a set trend like there used to be um where everyone comes in and asks for the same thing I think everyone is kind of like owning the fact that they're their own person and being more individual with their colour and sort of going with more what they feel makes them feel good. Um, um, but yeah, I'm definitely one thing I'm noticing is a lot of people are going more towards the warmer side, um, which I love warm colours. Um, so I'm very done with the ash and the grey and the silver. So it's quite nice that people want that more sort of beachy, sun-kissed look. So yeah, I'm finding that a lot. Yeah, I think these days, um, it's not like it was years ago. Anything kind of goes these days. I am seeing a lot more panelling um, work. So I'm doing a lot more panelling through the hair and um, a lot of reverse balayages, a lot of scalp bleach and really highlighted hair you know, toning it down to a bit more soft and natural look. But then I'm having people, you know, say, oh, I want to go a little bit brighter with my balayage this time because we're going into the summer again. So naturally you're going to get that um, from clients wanting to go lighter in the summer. But yeah, as a trend, really kind of anything is going at the minute. But yeah, like I said, panelling's really popular. And during the last couple of years, because um, it is it's nearly two years since this all started did you find yourself um looking at social media were you interested in what other people were doing color wise or were you i know you were all very creative but you know did you find it fascinating or horrifying what we were all seeing on social media and everyone having a go yeah so social media went crazy didn't it i remember in the first lockdown 
Um, I hadn't had my Instagram um, that long and I managed to grow it from like three, 300, I think I had like 300 followers and I grew it to like 1,200 followers within like a, a month, yeah, um, wow. which was amazing. But it was connecting with people. It's I think that's the beauty, you know, of Instagram is you can connect, you can grow, get inspired off other people. But yeah, colouring you know, was massive. And I know um, Casey, who won an award, he blew up his social media in the lockdown. And it was so nice to see what he was doing. Yeah. Um, and watching that and just getting a bit of inspiration, but a lot of people as well. So, because we're all in the same boat, we were all like, right, you can't do any hair now. It's like, oh, okay, what, what am I meant <laughs> to do? So, you know, having that creative side by still watching and yeah. being inspired was nice. And all having to work on doll heads. Steph, were you working on doll heads to do things? I, I know I, could, I saw a lot on Instagram with people. Yeah, I did. Really having fun. I did um, sort of used it as a time to do things that I would never normally do. Um, didn't necessarily showcase it much on Instagram, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I just still feel like it was a good chance to kind of like look into the industry a little bit more and maybe look at things that you wouldn't normally look at because we had so much time um, and yeah. it was quite an inspiring time and um, I think it definitely opened my mind to like other things and things that I never would have normally been interested yeah. in yeah and Dylan I feel like you have a, a sort of a, a come and go or a love-hate relationship with social media you're very candid on there how do you what yeah. t- tell, me, <laughs> tell me the highs and tell me the lows I I think when it comes to social media, I mean, I so my following in all the lockdowns grew quite a lot, actually. Like we're talking, I started in the first lockdown with about 2,300 followers. And by the end of the third lockdown, I came out by about 7,300. So I grew a lot, which was which was amazing. amazing. But I spent a lot of time um, in the first lockdown, um, definitely educating myself and then because I'm an educator, I then decided to start educating other people because, you know, like Stephen Kirby was saying, there wasn't really a lot to do. And, you know, instead of sitting down and, you know, just kind of, you know, not really enjoying the lockdown time, I thought it's a time to inspire other people, to inspire ourselves. So I spent a lot of time educating. But then also, when you're very active on social media, it can kind of have a positive, but it can also have a negative. So I... I'm quite prone to having a lot of negative feedback on Instagram. So I do kind of go through stages of, you know, being on Instagram and kind of going off of it. Because I think sometimes with social media, especially with me, I use it a lot. I mean, that is how, I'm I'm sure it's the same with everybody else, but that is how my business grew. I mean, I gained so many new clients during all the lockdowns because as well, customers had time to you know, look through your Instagrams, find new people. However, the positive sides of Instagram are, you know, you can get the likes, you can get the comments, but you can also get, I wouldn't call it hate, but you can get quite a lot of negative uh, comments and feedback. And that's definitely something I got a lot in the second and third lockdown. Um, I think because I was so active on social media all the time, some people didn't really like seeing that, which is absolutely fine. You know, we're all entitled yeah. to our own opinions. And I think people people feel it's an invitation to comment, don't they? It's like, well, you know, 
by putting yourself out, you're almost, uh, you're perceived as saying, come on then, what do you think? And some yeah. people will, without filter, just go, bleh, and tell you something, whether it's really what they think or whether they think it looks good as a comment. I don't know, you have to be quite resilient, don't you? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I'm I'm a very strong person anyway, but the whole idea of lockdown was, you know, it was a time to re-educate ourselves and to educate other people. And like Herbie was saying, it was a great opportunity to also connect with other hairdressers. There are hairdressers that I'd never heard of, never spoken to before, who I'm now really good friends with. And you know, Herbie would know this, we go out for dinner, you know, we meet up a lot. Um, and I think that's really, really nice. So, Which is a really good cue for me to talk to you guys about the two categories in the Colour Genius Awards, which look at communication and social media. So, Steph, I think you are a colour-tastic genius from the first year with your film. Is that right? So you, you entered the colour-tastic category, which is to make a 90-second film, or maximum 90-second, just using a smartphone, really talking about your colour world. So can you remember making that and how much fun it might have been or how much of a challenge? How did you view that? Yeah, um, I do remember making it. It was a really good challenge because I'm very, um, I'm probably not as active on social media as as some people um, and I find it quite hard to sort of voice my opinions and my work and I'm not really a natural talker if that makes sense so I think for me to film a video was like a real challenge but I think it's a nice way to um showcase your work because you're not just doing it within an image you're actually putting your personality across which is what I really liked about that category um and I think it it is a challenge and it is difficult but I think if you know you really put your heart and soul into it and just just be real and just just tell people about what you're doing and how you've come about to do what you do in. Um, yeah. It's just a good tool to use. I think 90 seconds, you can get a lot of information. So. You can, and I think it's a good... I mean, almost everyone should have one. It's a little bit like, you know, the elevator pitch. People say, you know, if you've got a minute to tell somebody what do you do... Uh, sorry, if you've got a minute to tell somebody what you do for a, a career, for a living, what brings you joy, to have that sort of encapsulated, you could just, like, whip your phone out and go, there you are, that's me, if you like, so... I think it's yeah. a really strong pattern. I think people connect more to you when they can actually see your true personality as well and not just an image yeah. of your work. And and as to what you were saying, Dylan, about communication, about sharing and about being on social media, the category colour communicator is very much sort of part of that, but coupled with what you were saying, Kirby, about um, educating and, and learning and sharing, if you like. I expect to see all three of you applying for the colour communicator category I think you would have a lot to share to say and to to you know promote in in what you do do you think challenge accepted I do also want to make another comment actually I I think you know it's it's great to you know obviously communicate and talk about colour to the industry but I think it's actually really interesting to also correlate it with clients because clients also well I think now because social media clients know a lot more about the hair not everything but they know a lot more and I think it's really important to actually educate the client as well I think it's a really good yeah. point yeah yeah definitely about setting expectations it's the it's part and parcel of what you guys do isn't it Kirby you were commenting at the beginning with your colour category your colour correction that it's about you know taking the time out spending hours doing it what do you find the most um 
challenging or what would you love to change about consumers perception of a colorist's work Kirby what would you like to wave a magic wand and get them to really appreciate I think the time like you were saying the time that we spend you know and they come in and they'd be like oh I went to this salon and so and so took this many hours to do my hair and they're sat there with like the world's thickest longest hair and you're like well yeah it kind of makes sense but also I think pricing because when you're doing these corrections or just any any big work on thick long textured hair that does take time and you you have to charge for it because you're ultimately going to be losing out and you know what would take you like four or five hours on one client or even longer than that you could get two three four other clients in which would financially benefit you so much more if you're not charging appropriate prices for these big colour work, you know, corrections, general colour work that you're doing that take that time. And I think it's really important to for them to understand it's our time, for one. Yeah. Products as well, they're not cheap. They're very expensive. And if you want to use high-quality products, they're not cheap anymore. Well, they never have yeah. been, but everything's going up as well. So, yeah. you know, factoring all that into consideration. Well, and the te- technology's changed as well, hasn't it? So... It stands to reason products ought to be more expensive all the, with all the bonders and things that you have now. We just didn't have those 20 years ago. So, so Steph, how do, you, how do you cope? How does your salon where you work cope with the sort of pricing, timing? You know, do you price differently for different genders? How, how does it work in your world? Um, I really like the way that the salon um, prices everything. So no one is more than anyone else and so it's not done in like hierarchy levels where one person charges 30 pound but another person charges 60 pound so I think that's really nice because it kind of brings everyone together at the same standard Um, and that's more I think it's easier for clients to understand and also it's broken down so if you had say full head of highlights regrowth in between a toner it's just all priced separately um, and it's broken down so that clients can understand exactly what they're paying for. Um, yeah. And I think it works really well, actually. Um, it's something that's opened my eyes. Um, and yeah. I think it, it is just, I think it's about making the clients understand what they're paying for, how long it's taken. Um, and that is the price because of this. Yeah. Dylan, how, how will you approach it with your new sort of, as a freelancer work I know you're working in this lovely salon environment where you've got the sort of slightly umbrella support of the of the hunter collective club how how have you thought about or how are you going to tackle the pricing and timing of color clients yeah so because I mean I've been freelance now I'm coming up to my third year um and I think I think anyone who goes freelance is kind of the first thing you think is what do I charge because I think when you there's nothing bad about employment at all but I feel when you're in an employment salon like Steph was just saying you know a lot of the time it is based on your level and sometimes you know you are you are worth more than what you're charging but I think I kind of base it on my knowledge and the education that I've taken part in myself, education that I teach. Um, (laughs) I mean, we're always kind of, you know, evolving every single day, like you're saying, 
there are so many new products coming out you know technologies have changed dramatically i mean you know five years ago we didn't even have anything like any bomb builders you know they didn't exist and now now they do exist we kind of have a little bit more options to what we can do with color um and i think again with social media you know clients see a lot and they expect a lot more and it's really interesting because when everyone says charge your worth but it's like what do you charge yeah i mean i am i'm kind of deciding do i want to charge by the hour because a lot of my colors like kirby was saying will take about five to six hours if not longer um but it's a really it's a really hard subject when it comes to what do you charge trying to trying to answer that with an actual answer but it's it's it's, it's quite a it's quite a hard one to actually <laughs> but but isn't isn't that the point that it's a very difficult question and it is quite personal i think it's very it's very difficult to value yourself i think in any industry so a successful 2022 will look like dot 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 kirby answer the question um so i've actually just been recruited as one of the educators for the uk for daveness <gasps> so wow brilliant and Excellent. i do think winning the color world award had you know a really good push for that so that was fantastic so yeah i've obviously entered color world again i'm entering um a few more um awards this year so hopefully some finalizations and maybe even winners but you know what even just entering them just getting out entering them having that excitement yeah part of the wider color world well congratulations that's amazing and a fantastic role to have so presumably a bit of traveling with that as well traveling around yes yeah i don't mind it though it's fine and obviously being freelance i do have that flexibility to you know dot in and out of the salon and um accommodate that which has been a massive passion of mine to be an educator so to finally be on that path is just so oh, exciting good for you. Steph success in 2022 will look like dot 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 so, I'm definitely going to be entering Colour World again this year also a part of the actual event which will be really really good um and I think that's that's one of the good things that have come out of Colour World and entering it is that you you do then become a part of actually what's going on within and behind the scenes so that's really good um importance for me this year is just to be happy and to find that balance and just new opportunities and new goals um there is a lot of things i've got my eye on so watch this space <laughs> watch this space excellent dylan success in 2022 will look like so obviously after winning color world last year um, I mean, great to be part of it again this year. I have entered a, a lot of categories this year. So fingers crossed, some finest placements. Uh, even lucky if I get to win again. Um, definitely education as it's kicking off really, really well. Um, hopefully we'll get to educate outside of the UK. That is something I'm looking at doing. Um, there is definitely quite a lot of competitions other than Colour World that I am also doing uh we've got a really really big shoot planned in april which i'm really excited about and very excited very exciting collection so i'm excited for people to see what i've got planned um but i'm just kind of taking every day as it comes but 2022 is going to be quite a big year so yeah, yeah. watch this space that's very creative 
Oh, well, I wish all of you the best of luck both at Colour World. I hope to see you at Colour World in person and for the rest of this year. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks to my guests, Stephanie, Dylan and Kirby. It was so interesting to hear how they had made use of their winning titles from the Colour World Awards last year and where they're up to on their colour journeys. If you enjoyed listening, why not jump over to Spotify, iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from and have a look at the other conversations in our Respectfully Library. There's plenty there to browse. If you like what you hear, please also do rate and review us as it helps us to climb up the charts and bring hairdressing conversations to a wider audience. Until next time, goodbye.